They said it wouldn't last, and they said that you can't drive profitable and incremental revenue through the affiliate channel. But here we are, 20 years later, and the affiliate channel is alive and kicking and generating profitable revenue for thousands of retailers across the globe. Hi, I am Jamie Birch, your host of the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast, where we talk to some of the industry's best and brightest about their careers, about leadership, and about how to drive profitable revenue through the affiliate channel. Hi, this is Jamie Birch, CEO and founder of JEB Commerce. Thank you for joining our podcast today. We have a special guest. This is number two in our travel series. We are talking today to Nicole Lewis. But before I introduce her and everything that's going on, want to let you know, if you need help with your affiliate program, uh, we can help you with that. We've created a product for you uh, that is all about strategy development. We do a full audit of your affiliate program. And we create a strategy that encompasses every aspect of your affiliate program, including a gap analysis on affiliates, introductions to those affiliates, audit and recommendations on your commission structure, and how do you drive incremental sales right now, as well as review of your network setup and are you on the right network and the right distribution of partners and all sorts of things. You can go to jebcommerce.com slash strategy and get more information on that product. So today I talk with the creator behind wanderingwithadromomaniac.com. And we definitely talk about what a dromomaniac is. And Nicole Lewis is the creator of this blog. She is a a full-time wildlife veterinarian, as well as a emerging travel blogger. She focuses on the adventure travel space. And we, we talk about all things travel, all things uh, travel blogging. And we really dive into, if you're an advertiser in the travel space, you definitely want to stick around for the last 15 minutes. And we talk about the best ways to work with her specifically. Uh, we talk about the do's and don'ts, but we talk about alignment and values uh, and how to be successful. So definitely take a listen to this podcast episode. So why don't we just jump right in in my conversation with Nicole Lewis. All right, Nicole, welcome to the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. You have had, it seems, uh, you know, an exciting uh, week as 2020 continues to deliver with a hurricane uh, where, where, you're, where you live right now. Yeah, that's right. Uh, a lot of people were without power. I was one of the lucky ones that still had power. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm, I hope everything is okay and, and uh, things are going well. Nicole, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Nicole Lewis. I am a part-time tra- adventure travel blogger. Uh, I've been running Wandering with a Dromomaniac now for three years. Um, and I'm also a full-time wildlife veterinarian, so that's why the part-time. Um, but I enjoy doing both, so I continue to do both. That, that's awesome. Now, what is the difference between a veterinarian and a wildlife veterinarian? So my current position, um, I only work with wildlife. I 
mostly do autopsies on wildlife. I work for the state fish and wildlife agency. So I find out why animals were sick or why they died to help protect the populations. So I don't really treat anybody. I don't see small animal pets anymore. I used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. Well, my daughter, I think we discussed a little bit on our prep call. Um, my daughter wants to be a vet. Uh, she is uh, wants to be a large animal, uh, specifically for horses. Mm-hmm. And we've started to uh, kind of expose her to what that education path looks like. And uh, it's, a, it's a long uh, and detailed path. Yep, you're telling me. <laughs> uh, I think I was in school for 10 years total. Yeah, I've also been told it's as competitive, if not more, to get into a vet school than uh, a regular medical school. Yeah, uh, it and it depends too on where you go to school. I'm originally from Canada, um, so I went to school in Canada, but I have talked to other veterinarians in the states here. Um, but it, it took me several tries to get in. Uh, you just can't give up. That's it's nothing against who you are. You just, if you really want it, you just have to keep trying because that's how it goes in this profession. Yeah, that is the advice that uh, we seem to be getting. Now, we took my daughter to, uh, and she's 13, so we took her to the college uh, here mm-hmm. in, in the state of Idaho, and ha- they gave her a tour. They were really so accommodating, you know, to someone so far from making that decision, but th- she they did. He he did make one comment that I wanted to kind of see what you thought about that. Uh, you know, he was clear uh, with us uh, and my daughter that uh, to really make sure you want to do this because a lot uh, a lot of uh, women who get into this they end up not actually practicing, and it was a little unnerving to hear uh, you know him say that. Uh, but it seemed I, he said it was pretty true. What do you, is, is that actually what happens? Should, should she just go for it? You know, I, I find that a little surprising myself. Um, I've been a practicing veterinarian now for seven years. Um, and when you go through vet school, you put in a lot of time and a lot of money. Um, I know some American vets come out three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. You know that's wow. not something you just walk away from. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's an expensive endeavor, um, and one that you, you know if you're really passionate about, you you don't tend to leave. I think that most veterinarians that leave um, that profession in general, it's it's the other side of it, the, the stress, the burnout, the compassion fatigue, mm. because that's a real issue in our profession. And it's not talked about enough, I don't think. Um, we do have one of the highest suicide rates of any profession. So it's that finding finding what gives you a good quality of life and you can still enjoy your profession um, through your entirety, the entirety of your career, really. What, did you say the highest suicide rate? Yes. I, that's blowing me away. I, I, uh, why, why is that? I'm, I'm totally at a loss for words. <laughs> yeah, and not, not a lot of people know that. Um, it's a lot of it for us is compassion fatigue, um, burnout. Uh, a lot of 
veterinarians work extremely long hours. Um, you have to put animals to sleep on the regular. I, mm. I know when I was in private practice, I had one day I put seven animals to sleep back to back and it, it really takes a toll on your mental health. Um, but that being said, I love my job and, and I love what I do now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, you know, I wouldn't change that. It, it's all about finding what works for you, having good mentors and having a good support system. Um, a lot of us now have a Facebook group we're all a part of all across um, Canada and the U.S. And it's called Not One More Vet to help support one another so that this doesn't keep happening. Wow. You know, I, we are an animal family. We have uh, 12 horses on our property, oh, wow. uh, three dogs. Uh, at one time, we had 18 chickens, a pig, two <laughs> guinea pigs, birds, and a lizard. Uh, and we wow. had our, f- we, yeah, we had more, uh, yeah, I think 38 total animals. You know, and, and we recently lost a dog, and like many families have to put those down. And I never, you know, in that moment, you know, you're grieving. You never even think about the impact this has on on the people doing the work. So eye-opening, uh, that that sounds horrible. You know, I heard that about dentists are also have mm-hmm. a high suicide rate too. And yeah. I, I don't necessarily enjoy going to the dentist. But when I heard that, <laughs> I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to be their best appointment all day. I'm going to try to make them laugh the entire time as best I can. Uh that's if great. I can have a little bit of impact, but I never thought yeah. that vets go through something similar. That's uh, alarming. It, it is, but you know, there's a lot of, uh, now the, I think the word is starting to get out there and, and we're trying to educate people and help them realize, you know, we're people too. We, you know, we really feel a lot of this. Uh, when you bring your pets to us, we care. It's it's in our nature. That's the type of person we are. That's why we went in this profession. We care. We really do. And we want to do everything we can. And sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And and we take it hard. Oh, well, what what is the most fulfilling part of, of now, uh, this category, this niche of uh, veterinary medicine that you're practicing wildlife stuff? What's the fulfilling part about that? I always wanted to be a wildlife vet. I always wanted to do exactly what I'm doing. Um, That's awesome. Mainly, yeah, mainly because I'm I... so jealous. I still have no idea what I want to do. I'm 45. <laughs> well, I'm also a blogger on the side. So, what does that tell you? <laughs> <laughs> You're passionate um, about at least two things. I know that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I get the opportunity to do research um, on endangered species and try to leave the world a little better than how I found it and, and work with these species to try to protect them. And that, that brings me joy every day. That, that is awesome. Uh, so let's go to your other passion. What mm-hmm. is a dromomaniac? <laughs> I get that question <laughs> a lot. I'm sure you can imagine. And did I pronounce it correctly? Yes, you did. And a lot of people think that it has to do with camels but it doesn't. Um, <laughs> it, it is somebody who... interesting blog as well. <laughs> it could. You're right. <laughs> Maybe later down the road. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it actually means somebody who has an addiction to wandering. So I am a awesome. maniac. Yes. <laughs> and so your, your website is Wandering with a Dromomaniac. Mm-hmm. And how, how did this 
come about? How did you become a travel blogger, uh, you know, from a wildlife vet to a travel blogger? How, how did all that happen? Um, well, I've always been really interested in the two aspects of it. Travel, of course. Um, I love to hike. I love to see new places, experience new cultures. But I also really love to write. And I was looking for a way that I could share my stories. I'm also, try, you know, trying my hand at writing novels as well. But this is, oh, gives wow. me a great way to express myself and use my writing to inspire others and encourage people to get out there and just experience something different than what's in their backyard. Um, so that's kind of, I originally thought maybe I would publish in uh magazines but I you know when I was doing some research on the whole thing I came across blogging and that it, it was definitely something that's a possibility that you could kind of even create a career from so I you know tried my hand at it it's been three years now I still like it and it's growing slowly so uh, it's it's been a fun journey awesome so you started three years ago and and mm -hmm. what was the first blog post um it was on grotto in Italy. Um, it's kind of considered a Italian vacation spot um, and was one of, it was the first place I went to overseas. Oh, the very first place? The very first place I went to overseas. Yeah. Wow. So were, were you a regular traveler before this, uh, before your website and you started blogging? I was. So I had, I went to Italy several years ago. So a lot of the things I wrote about um, at first were travel experiences I had had, you know, in the past, I don't mm. know, say five to 10 years. Um, so I started there and tried to kind of evolve my niche and, and just add experiences from then on. So I had been in to Italy I think it's been probably 10 years now. Oh, wow. That was the wow. first, though. That was my first big travel experience, though, aside from, you know, being Canadian and traveling to the Caribbean in the wintertime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and who doesn't like to do that? Right. Um, actually, I know one individual, my brother-in-law, does not like to do that. I still don't huh. understand. No. Uh, uh, it's not for everyone, apparently. Um, so what was like the big, um, on that first big trip, and my family and I, we had... Uh, our first uh, overseas trip, not this past April, uh, but the April of, of 2019. And we went to London and Edinburgh, Scotland. Mm -hmm. And that was the first like out of country, took a whole lot more planning and learned a ton about travel, a ton about ourselves. What was the mm -hmm. biggest like discovery for you on that that first trip so far away? It was, there was a lot of things about it that were pretty eye-opening for me in general. I went with my significant other. Um, he happened to be going for a conference and I tagged along for 10 days. Um, nice. Uh, yeah. But it was, you know, my first experience with jet lag. Um, we were actually sleeping and the cleaning lady came to the door and she didn't speak any English. And she was saying something about Polizia and camera. And we had no idea what she was saying. <laughs> and we were very jet lagged. It was very confusing, but she just <laughs> wanted to clean the room. <laughs> so I, you know, it, that experience of jet lag, that experience of not being able to speak the language, um, and trying to communicate 
in a different way with hand gestures or whatever you you need to do to get your point across and and seeing yeah. a whole different way of life it just changed my perspective completely that's awesome where'd the travel bug come from i don't know none <laughs> no one in my family is a big traveler i'm pretty much the only one that can't seem to sit still um i <laughs> i once i started i just i can't stop i want to see everything. I have a huge list. I have a scratch off map. I have so many places I want to see now that I've got. What's going. on the, like, what's on the top of the list or the, the, the one that's the hardest to, to reach and accomplish? Mm, probably any of the through hikes, um, the Appalachian trail, oh, the Kanakudu, okay. um, hiking the seven summits is on my list. <laughs> so I, I, any of the longer hikes that take more time are, are going to be a challenge for me to complete because while well, I work full time, so I can't oh, just yeah, take, yeah. you know, four or five months off at a time and go hike the Appalachian trail. <laughs> and I've hiked all of Pennsylvania and oh, I th- almost all of the Appalachian trail from Pennsylvania to Maine. Um, a good portion of that. My cousin hiked the entire thing not too long ago. So uh-huh. definitely can see uh, the draw. The Pacific Coast Trail is also a pretty good one over on mm-hmm. my side of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so so your niche is adventure travel. So yeah. I wouldn't see you necessarily in a, uh, a tour or uh, I mean, explain the difference and really, because you talked about, you know, as your niche evolved. Uh, tell me more about your niche and, and that journey of, you know, making it, you know, more focused. Yeah, I think I kind of started out, you know, just dipping my toe in the water, so to speak, just trying to become a better writer. And and I just talked about different cities I had visited and, and I love the history and I, I love the cities. But for me, um, I'm very into hiking, um, any snorkeling. I'm hoping to get scuba certified. That got kind of kiboshed with the COVID um, mm-hmm. issue. <laughs> that sure opens uh, a lot of adventure stuff to do too. It does. It does. And so, you know, whitewater rafting, anything that involves getting into nature, being with wildlife. Um, I feel like as a veterinarian, as a wildlife veterinarian, I can really speak to the wildlife in different places. Um, and And then how cultures interact with that at that interface, the environment, nature, wildlife, and the cultures. Because there's a lot of good things going on, and then there's a lot of not so good things going on. And I try to portray that in my writing. That's fantastic. Now, is I'm sensing a thread of discovery in both your professions. You know, does that resonate with you? You know, discovery of, you know, as you're researching uh, and autopsying, you know, and doing things with endangered species, you know, it seems to me that that's a common thread in both of these things. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. That kind of hit the nail on the head, I think. (laughs) That's awesome. So what, what's been the most successful thing you've done with your travel blog, wandering with a dromomaniac.com? I, I, I feel pretty successful just to have put it together. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, learning how to, to create a website is not something I know how to do, but I was, I taught myself, I took the time, but um, I think having the opportunity to work with another company has, has really made me feel like I've come a long way, 
I guess, with with the blog, um, actually having a company want to work with me and and take their trip. And, and you said, you know, not usually, I don't usually work with a, a tour, but it really just depends on the situation. Sometimes you, mm-hmm. you need that, um, depending on what you're doing. My trip next summer, I'm climbing Mount Elbrus in Russia, and that is a trip with a tour <laughs> because it wow I've, I've never heard of that tell me <laughs> about this trip I'm so excited <laughs> um it is with uh an all women's travel company called whoa w-h-o-a um and they they do a lot of different adventure tours they climb Kilimanjaro they do the Kamanakudu in in Japan they go to Patagonia wow. Um, and this Mount Elbrus is one of the seven summits, one of the seven highest mountains in the world. It happens to be Europe, Europe's highest mountain. So I'm starting my seven summit journey there next summer. Is that considered hiking or mountain climbing? Um, is that on par with like an Everest or a K2 or stuff like that? It it Everest is one of the seven, seven summits. Yeah. Climbing. Um, it's eight around 18,000 feet, I believe. Uh, don't, I wouldn't quote me on that. I'm close though. <laughs> um, but it, it is a trek and, and a hike. You do have to wear like the crampons on your boots and they give you like special boots to wear and stuff. So it's not a, a walk in the park. It's, it's definitely going to be a challenge. And they tell me that the boots weigh three pounds and that you need to prepare for that. So it's one of the harder of the seven, I guess you could say. Do you blog and produce content preparing for something like that too? I do. Yes. So I've done a couple of posts. Um, I climbed Mount Katahdin, which is the end of the Appalachian Trail. And I've done a couple of posts on how to prepare for it, what you should bring, that sort of thing. And then I did a recent hike through the Presidential Traverse in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. And I wrote a you know, how to prepare and what to bring and that sort of stuff and how to stay safe on the trail as well. So, cause I did that by myself. Oh, wow. Well, I, I can't wait to read about this next adventure. And, and is that kind of how far in advance you're planning with, cause so much is going on with travel right now. And most of the world seems to be closed to Americans traveling. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it is, you know, is that how far you have to plan for travel to be open again? I, this opportunity kind of came up. I get their newsletter, this company, and they said that they're accepting applications for next summer. So I, I actually went through a whole interview process for this. And I figured maybe a year from now, we may be able to travel again and that maybe I was safe. Um, please, we hope so. <laughs> please, please. Um, I did have a trip planned in October that I am no longer going on. So bit bummed there, but that's okay. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just going with the science. You know, I, I'm going to wait until it's safe. I'm not going to just go, go out there all cowboy and cowgirl and just yeah take the risk. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. To our listeners, please wear your mask, social yes. distance. Nicole yes. and I would like to travel again yes. someday yes. soon. <laughs> we, we canceled two trips. We were going to Costa Rica <sighs> And then we're planning an Israel uh, Israel trip. Oh. And and then my wife 
desperately wants me to take her back to to London and Scotland. Uh, mm. And all, that was all canceled. So we're also, you know, listening to the science, doing the things, doing our mm-hmm. part so we can mm-hmm. we can travel again. And and that's what we're seeing, too, with our travel clients. Uh, they're really looking that far ahead. Um, yeah. I think all hope that things will come back to normal in the fall is kind of faded. And mm-hmm. We're all kind of planning for that. Um, so how how did you, when you created your blog three years ago, was it, uh, you, you stated it was a, 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 a way to express yourself and, and to write mm-hmm. something you love to do. Mm-hmm. Did you have thoughts of monetizing it from the beginning? And, uh, you know, finding ways to use it to generate revenue? Or was that kind of after things got rolled? How, how did that happen? I, right from the beginning, I was hoping I could monetize it. Um, I read a really good blog post before I started, and it was by Never Ending Footsteps. And um, she kind of did a whole post on how to start a blog, what you should think about, you know, a hosting company company to use, what affiliate marketing you should do and that sort of thing. So I was kind of thinking about it in the beginning. And then I took a few on online courses on blogging through um, Nomadic Matt and Tim Leffel has a course. So I did both of those and they talk a lot about um, affiliate marketing. And I, I look at it as not just an expression of myself, but also as a business. So I'm, I'm learning and growing on that side as well. And and we'll see. We'll see where it goes. That's awesome. And what what do you find successful in in terms of advertising on your site? What has been, um, you know, has it been just a, a a one-time campaign that worked? Has it been product placement? Has it been reviews or AdWords or you know what what have you found success with? Well, I'm still working on that. <laughs> Um, I probably haven't been as good about it as I could be. You know, I've done a few posts for around Christmas time, you know, ad- gifts for adventure travelers, hmm. um, some gear posts, that sort of thing. I've had uh, a few people reach out for a sponsored post here and there. And and it really has to be in line with, you know, my niche and my values. But and I have to kind of vet the program, I guess, or their company before I, I accept that just because I want my audience to get what they expect to be getting. So I, I'm still working on some of adding that in, um, hoping to add in a few more kind of in post texts that link to different products. So it, it's still a kind of an evolving process. And I, I admit I've been kind of slow with getting it really in there and getting really good at it. But, you know, I'm, I try to add them here and there and, and put in some of the um, banners and things in different posts. That tends to be how I've been handling it at this point. Gotcha. You know, the advice I always give is concentrate on your audience and your content Mm -hmm. and the monetization will always come through and, and opportunities will come through. And as, as your blog grows and, uh, uh, your audience grows, then people will come to you with ideas on how you can make that work. Uh, so a lot of times that work can can be done for you. So what do you know a lot about your audience? Do you do things specifically, uh, you know, for them? Is there any, you know, what kind of audience focus have you, uh, if any, have you looked at so far? 
I I kind of have what my I guess my vision of what my audience could be and you know I I think of them as as late 20s to 40 or 50 um you know people with careers like myself who are looking to get outside and push themselves and challenge themselves uh I do look through like Google and analytics and some of the other programs to try to get a better feel of actually who is using my content um it was a little surprising recently I looked and it seemed like it was more male based than female which I wouldn't have expected oh, wow. um I was kind of surprised by that you know I I talk about in my my post on the presidential traverse and hiking that by myself as a woman for two days and how much of a challenge that was. I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, that was my, my audience, but it, it's good to know those things so you can plan your content accordingly. So I'm trying to look at that a little bit more closely and I know what countries look at it the most and and Mm -hmm, that sort of thing. So I do follow that. That, that is super interesting. You know, we had a client and they sold uh, T-shirts and, and I'm sure you've seen them. A lot of them have wolves on it and and a lot of hipsters now wear them uh, because they are sometimes so fashion not forward that they wear it ironically mm-hmm. and, and with, you know, humorously. And so that's who we were marketing and they were marketing to for a really long time. And then when we were able to really dive deep into the analytics, that was not who was buying the product. It was a a much older demographic that was not wearing them. Ironically, they loved these T-shirts. And so we shifted our marketing completely uh, and, and their entire company's marketing completely and saw a tremendous growth because they started to focus on uh, 60 and older instead of 25 and younger. Uh-huh. And it made a dramatic change. And no one would have thought these shirts were worn without, you know, a sense of humor uh, with it, mm. but they they just really loved it. So, yeah, the analytics can can really, uh, really make a difference. Um, are you doing anything now? Uh, As I talk to travel advertisers uh, and travel affiliates, um, you know, we are, you know, we're recording this in August. I can't believe it's August already (laughs) of 2020. Um, You know, we, for for our listeners, you know, we're, uh, you know, smack dab into the pandemic. Travel is uh, not uh, a luxury, you know, we really get to participate in right now. Is there anything you're doing to keep your... Uh, users engaged with your blog is, you know, trying to keep them, uh, you know, keep that audience uh, building and growing. Is there anything you've, you've tried uh, specifically in that area? I, I honestly think I've been very lucky in this time um, because I write so much about hiking and nature and national parks and things like that. People, that's what people are doing right now. So I've had they're open and, you know, people can explore local trails. So I've been very lucky, I feel, in the sense that I've had a lot of people visiting the blog lately. And I think it's because people are so hungry to get outside and that they're taking advantage of some of these things. So I've really tried to target my writing to different trails. I have a post coming out tomorrow that is a collaborative with other bloggers, uh, the best day hikes in Canada. Uh, and then next week will be one for the U.S. 
So fantastic. It's it's been I've been very lucky, you know, during this extremely unfortunate time that that my writing has has struck a chord because so many people just want to get outside right now. Yeah, and, and you may not be able to go to another country, but you can right. go on another hike and write that right. content. And and all of us, that's those things are still for the most part. I know there's some areas those things are closed, uh, mm-hmm. but for the most part, we're still able to to do that. My kids, like I said, we have a lot of animals. We do a lot of horse things, and mm-hmm. so uh, while we can't compete in a lot of the things we competed uh, in, we still are able to you know, do all of that because you're able to social distance. It doesn't require a venue and things like that. So that that's, that's awesome. So you continue to write and push stuff out, mm-hmm. uh, on, on, a, on sort of with normality, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying, obviously I'm not really going anywhere right now. Um, <laughs> and it's been extremely hot here in New Jersey the past couple weeks. So we really haven't been able to hike either. <laughs> so we're hoping yeah. to get back out. Um, you know, New York's open to us. New New Hampshire's pretty close. Vermont. So there's lots of hiking opportunities. And I already have some planned, um, hopefully in the coming weeks, to get out and do some hiking. That's, that's going to be things that become posts in the future. So it's it's been uh, good for me during this time. I feel very lucky. Yeah, yeah, very fortunate. Uh, it's a, a good niche to have. Um, what are the best ways that an advertiser can work with you? How, you know, what are the best best practices that they need to adhere to for you? Um, I tend to, you know, when I get requests through. Um, Commission Junction or Avant Link um, or Avant Link. I'm not really sure how they say that, but I think it's Avant. Yeah, I think you Avant. have it right. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I I try to see one, or or if they're just emailing me, you know, out of the blue or through LinkedIn or whatever. Um, are they a company that you know is an outdoor company? Do they work with different trail groups or? Are they sustainable? For me, sustainability and um, ethical products are really also really important to me. Uh, I try to be zero waste as much as I can and leave no trace as much as I can uh, and travel ethically as much as I can. Um, So those companies that are doing things like that, I really try to work with um, and promote. I, you know, don't like the fast fashion, but I love 10 tree who they plant 10 trees for every item of clothing you buy and their clothing is recyclable. They make it from hemp and plastic bottles and things like that. So those are the companies that I really like to work with and promote those making a difference and, and trying to find better solutions. Gotcha. And, you know, I, I just interviewed someone else, uh, and, and that the, the discussion was, uh, corporate morality. And there's mm-hmm. been a heavier focus on on that as well as making sure as consumers and just not making sure, but consumers are voting with their uh, with their dollars and they are looking to the corporations that align with their values mm-hmm. and making their purchases there. Uh, so that's one of the things you 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 look at. So uh, a heavy polluter, um, someone that a company that sustainability uh, is is not a value 
they're going to have trouble working with you then. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's just not who I am. It's not what I value. Um, so it has to align with my values and, and what I want to bring to my audience really. And outside of sustainability and then category, I, you know, outdoor gear uh, category, is there Mm -hmm. any other things that an advertiser, um, you know, that or that you look at when selecting an advertiser to look at to work with sorry i think that when it comes to adventure travel you know these these companies that are in that space and can give anybody the opportunity to experience something different um experience nature push themselves um try something new get out of their comfort zone you know i really i really respect that and i really you know, I try to do that myself and hope to inspire others to do that. So any company that's offering the opportunity to help people get outside more is one that I'm definitely interested in working with. And so it seems very much, you know, values and values focused, audience focused. Um, Does uh, what network they're on, commission rates, um, EPCs, any of those uh, you know, traditional affiliate metrics and things like that. Does that come into it? Or if they fit with your audience and your values, you know, you'll, you'll work with them regardless, or do you look at those other kind of more business focused type of things? I do to a point. Um, I mean, I, again, it is a business. I do see it as a business, even though I'm trying to inspire others and, you know, provide them with something valuable. Um, it is still a business and I do try to make a profit from it. And then I try to include that in my blog to let people know that, Hey, there, this is an affiliate. There are affiliate links in here. You know, you support this, you support me. Um, but yeah, I do to a point and, and I try to pick, you know, if I have a, a company that has a, a good commission rate, um, and then I look at their banners and their text links and things like that. And the ones that are performing the best in Commission Junction, then I usually go with those. Have you ever worked like on a, any custom uh, sponsorships or placements or, or uh, uh, you know, either a blog, a blog post sponsorship or the blog sponsorship, anything out of, uh, out of the norm of just a banner or a text link? Um, I have done... Uh, one sponsored post so far where someone reached out to me and asked if they could do a sponsored post on my blog. Um, and they were really just asking because they wanted to include a link to their page within the post, which mm-hmm. was, you know, simple <laughs> for me. It was easy, you know, and, and they were an outdoor company. They were an adventure company. And, and I was, that's worked out well for me. Um, so that's the one time I've, I've done a sponsored post so far. I'm open to them. I don't want to do them, you know, every other week or anything. Um, but I am definitely open to that as an opportunity. What can an advertiser do to make sure you won't work with them? What is annoying (laughs) or just like what gets you to delete an email without reading it or just stop talking to them? How can they, what could they avoid (laughs) for that to happen? Hmm. Trying to think if there have been, I I've had a, some that it's, you know, they reach out to me, like they, they, they tell me they have this great opportunity for me. And, and it's something like, 
high fashion or it's something that has nothing to do with what my blog is about and you can tell they obviously haven't even looked at the blog they're just trying to push their product and they see that I'm a blogger <laughs> you know it's it's yeah. those products people reaching out for you know lingerie and things and I'm like you know what that's not really what I'm doing here <laughs> but but yeah, thanks anyway coming there for high fashion and lingerie <laughs> yeah not that I know of <laughs> I'll check the analytics though and let you know <laughs> Uh, that's super funny that you, we still have to remind each other that alignment and relevant relevancy is so important. Uh, you wasted your time by sending the email. Mm -hmm. They wasted your time by (laughs) making you delete it. Uh, Mm -hmm. and in the end you, you have a lower view of them and their marketing than you did beforehand. So they have probably lost a potential uh, customer in the future as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're going to, I, if I'm going to work with another company, I'm going to do the research to help them. They should do the same. You know, they should look at my blog and, mm-hmm. and they should do their research before they re- reach out. I would only expect that I would do that for them, you know, if it was the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It sounds like some pretty basic simples, some pretty basic. <laughs> Uh, things to be nice to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and common sense things. That. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's outstanding. Well, uh, Nicole, I have enjoyed this uh, discussion. I think it's very helpful for advertisers to hear from uh, a content producer, a niche affiliate, a blogger uh, on the do's and don'ts, kind of what you're doing right now. Uh, and and how to work with you, um, and I've really appreciated this uh, this conversation. I'm excited to watch your next tri- uh, big trip, uh, and you actually have a lot of blog posts of places I've been. Like you're in Jersey, I think, right now, and I'm from mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. You have a Wildwood mm-hmm. blog post. I've spent many weeks in my youth there. Um, <laughs> so this is this has been great. If uh, if people want to check out your blog, they go to wanderingwithadromomaniac.com. If they want to contact you, uh, you know how how do they follow you uh, and contact you? Uh, I'm on most of the social media platforms: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and I also you can email me at nicole at wanderingwithadromomaniac.com. And I am slowly building my YouTube. <laughs> Very slowly, I have one oh, video. Awesome. I didn't know you had video. <laughs> Just one. It's, it, you know, it was my first go. So <laughs> it's not, well, you know, it's it, it's oh, a work in progress. <laughs> that's awesome. We release, uh, you know, several videos and I've started to play with it. What do you think you're, so if I can ask one more question. Sure. What, what do you, what's the vision for the YouTube channel? Um, I hope to show people some of these hikes and I'm a snowboarder as well. So my first video is actually snowboarding and, um, and I have a few more videos for like Utah and places like that. So I'm hoping to show people these places, the trails and so they know what to expect and, and kind of follow my journey as well in in another way other than just the blog. So I'm hoping it evolves to that, but I, I really, I just started it. So it's not, it's not even close yet. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, 
when uh, if you get a hanker in to get out of here, uh, my wife and I'd love to take you skiing around Idaho. We got some Ooh. great mountains. We got like four or five uh, 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 great uh, mountains for snowboarding and skiing within 45 minutes. Uh, there's some mm. killer trails. So definitely, if you want to get out over here, let us know. We'd we'd love to give you some opportunities to create really good content and showcase <laughs> uh, our area. But I'll include those links and, and things in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if anyone, if you're listening and are interested to talk to Nicole, please check it out. Check out uh, wanderingwithadromomaniac.com. I've really enjoyed uh, your blog posts and enjoyed this time together. Thank you so much, Nicole. Uh, and yeah, good luck with your YouTube channel. Good luck with uh, the highest mountain in, is it the highest mountain in Europe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. That, that will be fun to watch. So thank you again, Nicole, for spending time with me today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, that was great. Thank you, Nicole, for joining me uh, on this podcast episode. So I want to recap a couple things that I heard that if you're an advertiser, I want to make sure that you hear. So in order to work well with her, and I would say a lot of content affiliates, you got to understand what your value is to them and what their value is to their audience. That alignment of value is becoming more and more important these days. So make sure you know who they are. Uh, Nicole talked about getting a lot of outreaches from people who have no business working with them and that wandering with a drama maniac would never work with and how it's a waste of time. So I want you to remember as you're looking to reach out and work with a broader range of affiliates, you wanna look at alignment. When you send something that, and, and, and you're a brand and you don't really align with a specific affiliate, that partnership isn't gonna happen, it's not gonna be fruitful, and it's gonna end up souring uh, the view of the brand and it's gonna end up wasting a lot of time. So don't waste your time. When you wanna work with a blogger, a travel blogger, a content affiliate, you got to do your homework. Good results can definitely happen. We're seeing that a lot with our clients, especially in the travel space. And it works when you do your research. Um, I loved how Nicole was sharing uh, the emails of, we got this great opportunity. And then when she clicks through, it's for something completely inappropriate. It's incredibly clear that they've done no research. And we've all received those emails, right? We've all received those LinkedIn outreaches and looked at it and gone, you have not looked at what I do or who I am at all. So if content affiliates, bloggers, travel bloggers are important to your growth strategy in 2020 and 2021 and on and on, then know that you got to do your research with these groups of affiliates. Make sure that it makes sense to reach out to them. Do your homework beforehand. That's going to uh, establish a foundation for a strong relationship going forward. So Nicole, thank you so much for sharing all of your insights uh, and how to work with her. So definitely check out wanderingwithadromomaniac.com. Uh, and I am looking forward to seeing her adventures going forward, especially when travel uh, opens up. Now, if you're an advertiser and you're looking for help with your affiliate program, you really just need to know what am I supposed to do? And do I stand up to benchmarking? 
and am I positioned for growth? We have a service that we call the Strategy Roadmap. You can go to jbcommerce.com strategy. And in this service, we evaluate every aspect of your affiliate program and give you a strategy that's going to lead to success now and in the future. Uh, we look at your affiliates, your affiliate distribution. We introduce you to top performers in your space. We evaluate your network, the setup, your commission structure. We compare it against your competitors. We do all these things for you and you can go to jebcommerce.com slash strategy to get more information uh, and to hear from us. Now, if you need help with your affiliate program in general, and you just want to spend 15 minutes with an expert, you can spend time with me. Just go to calendly.com slash Jamie Birch. You can set up 15 minutes to a half hour to an hour, and we're going to spend time together all for free. Just going to help you uh, identify your obstacles and really with whatever you need. You can also email us at gethelp at jebcommerce.com. Now, if you found this episode, and this podcast valuable, please go over to Apple Podcasts or uh, Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a review, give us a rating, share it on Facebook and Twitter uh, and share it with a friend. And if you want to be a guest on the show, I'd love to have you. You can just email me at gethelp at jbcommerce.com.